Uh, this morning we are returning to the Gospel of, of Matthew, uh, and, th- and this series is called The Way, W-A-Y, The Way. And this series is all about Jesus of Nazareth. It's, uh, it's all about him being the way, the promised way, the long-anticipated way, the fulfillment way, the priestly way the prophetic way, the kingly way, the messianic way, and the redemptive way, the justice way, the wholeness way, and the flourishing way. All that comes through Jesus. We were in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount before we took a very, very long break. So it's been a long time since we've been in this series. And most of you would know that the Sermon on the Mount covers Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Those three chapters make up the Sermon on the Mount. And in these chapters, Jesus presents convictions of the way in those chapters. And these convictions are kingdom convictions. And these are convictions that that lead to human flourishing in the here and now. One Christian author puts it this way. The Sermon on the Mount is not law. That, that makes us see our need for gospel. Rather, it's wisdom from God inviting us through faith to reorient our values and vision and habits from ways of external righteousness to wholeheartedness towards God. This isn't law, but gospel. Jesus is inviting us into life into God's kingdom, both now and in the future. This is grace. The Sermon on the Mount is about grace. And this grace continues in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and verses 16 through 18. And the title of the sermon is, Not for the Praise of Others. Not for the praise of others. The main point is the the way of wholeness, not holiness, the way of wholeness isn't lived for the praise of other people. It's not lived for the praise of man. So please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, the way in which you have called us to live is not for the praise of other people, but it's for the honor and praise of our God. And Holy Spirit, you are our counselor, you are our advocate, you are the one who leads us into all truth, and and there is no understanding of the scriptures apart from you. No one comes to saving faith apart from you calling them, which is what we just confess in our confession of faith. Nothing gets done for the kingdom apart from you. Nothing. Nothing at all. And so we place ourselves on the mercy seat of Christ and as a body, as those gathered together for worship, and we cry out and say, Spirit, do your thing. You know what we need to hear. 
You know what our soul needs. You know what our mind needs. You know what our emotions need. You know what our life needs. So be our counselor. Be that advocate. Be that deposit that guarantees our inheritance. So Holy Spirit move. I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Many states have a COVID-19 alert level system indicator or, or, or threshold. And this alert level system, it recommends certain measures based on a number of COVID-19 cases in your state or, or area. And this system has, has a, has a four-color-coded four alert system. And some of you may be familiar with this system. Level one is green, and that's the new normal, um, meaning that the cases and outbreaks are aware. They don't really have many, out, out, many outbreaks right now in your area, so you're at level one. Level two is yellow. That's low risk. Outbreaks are rare and, and the, the, the spread is decreasing. Level three is orange. That's, the, that's moderate risk. There are few outbreaks and decreasing this, the, the virus is still, the spread of the virus is still decreasing. Level four is red. That's high risk. Many outbreaks and the spread is increasing. You see, Jesus' words here in Matthew 6 they are also part of a color-coded uh, alert level system. And this particular, this particular alert system measures a person's self-glorification level. It measures your level of self-glorification. Level one is low risk. It's low, and that's green. Level two is um, yellow. Your, your, your level is moderate. Level three is orange, that's, that's high, and level four is red, it's severe. Do you know the current level of your self-glorification? What number are you? What's your color? Green, yellow, orange, or red? Look at verse one with me. Jesus tells his disciples, the original 12, and us, he says, beware. Beware. The Greek term that's translated beware, it, it communicates being in a state of alertness. Jesus wants all of his disciples to pay close attention to their self-glorification level. He wants you, hey, what's your color? Thanks. He wants us to keep on, on the lookout for our level rising from low to moderate, from moderate to high, from high to severe. He commands us to continue to be on guard when it comes to the rising your self-glorification level. You see, Jesus knows that all of his disciples, the original 12 and us, past, present, and future, he knows that each of us are going to face a certain temptation. And, it, and it's going to cause your self-glorification to rise if you, if you give in to it. Do you know what it is? The temptation is practicing Righteous acts and good deeds with wrong intentions. It's being salt of the earth and light of the world for your own glory. You do realize you can do works of the kingdom for your own glory and not the Father's glory. It's displaying your personal piety and faithfulness so that you would shine before man 
as opposed to your father shining bright. One pastor says in Jesus' day, there were three signs of piety, three tokens of religious devotion, gifts to the poor, prayer, and fasting. These three tokens are a part of the righteousness that, that Christ mentions here in verse 1. And the wrong motivation is performing and producing and, and practicing these deeds in order to be seen by other people. Christ says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people for the purpose of being seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. You see, practicing righteous acts and, and good deeds in order to be seen by other people, man, it will skyrocket your self-glorification level. It will send it out the roof. It will, you will go from low to severe. You will skip the other two levels. You just go from here to here quickly if you live your Christianity in order to be, receive praise of man. You will move quickly from green to red. The message Bible says, be especially careful when trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good, it might be good theater, but the God who made you will not be applauded. Man may applaud you, but the God who made you will not be standing up giving you an ovation. So pay attention to your self-glorification level. Know your color. And listen, if you can point out in someone else's color, that's your color too. If you can easily identify your neighbor's color, that's probably your color too. Keep on the lookout for the rising of your level from low to moderate, from moderate to high, from high to severe. Continue to be on guard when it comes to your self-glorification. And so Jesus is basically saying we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Check yourself. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them. I came across an, an illustration this week that says, the story is told of a zoo that was noted for their great collection of different animals. One day the gorilla died. And so to keep up the appearance of a full range of animals, the zookeeper hired a man to wear a gorilla suit and to fill in for the dead animals. So it was his first day on the job. And the man didn't know how to act like a gorilla very well. As he tried to move convincingly, he, he got too close to the wall of the enclosure and tripped and fell into the lion exhibit. And he began to scream out loud and convince his life was over until the lion spoke to him. Be quiet or you're going to get both of us fired. <laughs> Humor is good, right? And even in the sermon. But 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 what is happening? What is happening in that illustration? Two people pretending to be something they are not—a lion and a gorilla. Externally, they look like animals, but internally, inside the suit, they're just people. And many of us have a word to describe people who pretend to be something they are not: hypocrites. 
hypocrites. The term hypocrite is, is, is related to actors and stage players who perform and produce for people. And Jesus uses this term to, as a description of the scribes and Pharisees in the Sermon on the Mount. You see, they give to the needy and they fast and they pray for self-glory. They practice their good deeds in order to be seen by others and in order to receive the praise of man. That's why they do it. Dr. Rick is the world's renowned parental life coach. Y'all may have seen him on TV recently talking about his books and his seminars. Now, you won't see, you won't see Dr. Rick on, on Dr. Phil or a talk show like that. You, you will see Dr. Rick on a progressive life insurance commercial because Dr. Rick, he helps young homeowners not turn into their parents. That's his job. And so Jesus is basically Dr. Rick in his passage. He's helping his disciples not to function like hypocrites. He's helping his disciples not to function like the Pharisees and scribes. He desires that his people and his disciples will function differently. He wants something different for the people who have come to know him as Lord and Savior and saving faith. These are people who trust Jesus' death and resurrection. These aren't just people who know Jesus in passing. These aren't just people who follow Jesus as he goes and heals people from village to village. These are people who actually know him, who are actually in a relationship with him. These are people who believe that he died for their sins and was raised for their justification. That's who he's talking to. Now, if that is not you this morning, it can be you. All you got to do is give your life to him. And when you do, he doesn't want you to then start living and functioning like a hypocrite or a Pharisee. He doesn't want his people performing and producing for people in order to raise your level of self-glorification. You know how tiring it's going to be if you live your Christianity for the praise of other people? You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear yourself out. Because people praise you one day, and, man, they'll kill you the next day. (laughs) They will. So please receive this, this next word here. Jesus himself knows that the way of wholeness isn't for the praise of other people, and the way of wholeness is not for your self glory. It is not. And so he makes a distinction. Because there's a right way and a wrong way to live out good works. There's a right way and a wrong way to practice spiritual disciplines. He tells the disciples in the original, the original 12 and us, not to give to the needy, to fast and to pray for self-glory. Don't practice good deeds and spiritual disciplines for the praise of man. Three times he tells us not to be like the hypocrites. He says in verses in verse two, when you give, it's in the plural, so it'd be when y'all give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Second in verse five, he says, When when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues 
and, in the, and on the street corners, that they may be seen by other people. Third, in verse 16, it says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. Don't dis- they, they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. See, they're given to the needy and, and to the poor. They're given to the poor and their prayer and their fasting. Listen, it's performances and a production for them. They're actors. They're pretending. They're showcasing their self-glory. That's what they're doing. And Christ says, truly, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Their re- the reward is public acclaim from people, and they receive it. Their reward is to showcase their self-glory, and they, they, they do. Their reward is self-promotion, and they succeed. That's what they want, and they got it. What do you want? What do you want? St. Augustine says, It is not that being seen of men that is wrong, but the doing these things for the purpose of being seen of men. The problem with the hypocrite is his motivation. He doesn't want to be holy. He wants to be seen as holy. He's more concerned with the reputation of righteousness than actually becoming righteous. The approval of man matters to him more than the approval of God. And you can be a Christian and live your whole life that way. What are the two greatest commandments in the Bible? Congregation participation time. And love neighbor. Yes. In Matthew 5, 20, verses 21 through 48, Jesus deals with the way of holiness as it relates to loving your neighbor. And he expresses it in the more demands of the law, like anger, lust, divorce, and faithfulness in your words, retaliation, and love for your enemies. All those things relate to how you deal with other people. And in the passage today, he makes a transition. He now deals with the way of holiness as it relates to your love towards God. It is expressed in one good work and in two spiritual disciplines done with the right motives. Not perfect motives, but faithful motives. Beloved of God, the way of wholeness isn't being like a hypocrite. It's not for the praise of others, and it's not for self-glory. The way of wholeness, as it relates to giving to the needy in prayer and fasting, is for the praise, honor, and glory of our God. Period. Period. It ain't. It was never about you, and it's never going to be about you. And that's a pill you're going to just have to swallow. It's for his glory. He's going, he, he loves you. He loves you dearly. But there's one thing he ain't ever going to give you, and that is his glory. And as Amen stated, thank you, brother. He ain't giving you that. In verses 3 and 4, Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand and your no, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. In verse six, it says, "When you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret." In verses seventeen and eighteen, he says, "But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, 
but by your father who is in who is in who is in secret. Do you see the difference between the two groups of people? Jesus words here. They're not prescriptive. They're descriptive. So he's he's just describing to us what the way of wholeness looks like. He's showing you what it should look like when you give to the needy and when you pray and when you fast. He says, do, he said, do it in secret. What does he mean? Secret is in contrast to the public display of the hypocrites who perform and produce for the praise of others. Secret is about what's going on internally, not just what's happening externally. Jesus is concerned is for the attitude of his disciples' hearts as they give to the needy, pray, and fast. Our intentions and motives need to be right and faithful. What does 1 Samuel 16, 7 say? For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Jesus is talking about the heart. So saints and beloved, where is your heart when you give, pray, and fast? Self-glory, God's glory. Praise of others or praise to God. Because when your heart is captivated by self-glory and the praise of others, you will broadcast all your good works and your spiritual disciplines like the hypocrites. You will get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and YouTube and TikTok in order to let the world know how much money you've given to to fight poverty to fight injustice and racism and other social issues. You let the world know. Some of you may even invite the, the news station so they, they, so they can film you doing all your good deeds. You'll use social media and other outlets to build a platform to showcase your spirituality and your commitment to Jesus. All that is not the way of wholeness. So where is your heart? Christians who use good works and spiritual disciplines to boast and impress and show off are living like orphans, not beloved sons and daughters. See, some of us think we, some of us, some Christians struggle with using good works to earn God's favor. Other of us use good works for, to boost our own ego. And both of you live like orphans, not beloved sons and daughters. So that is. The, so the question is, are you living like a son or daughter, or are you living like an orphan who has no father? How are you living? Where is your heart? Look at verses 3 and 4 again. Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand know what your left hand, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. In verse 6, he says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And in verses 17 and 18, But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, 
that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What does Jesus what is Jesus communicating about God in those verses? Is that all he communicating? How does he identify God in these verses? Father. And that's not by mistake. That is by intent. We don't have to use good works and spiritual disciplines in order to get the praise and approval of others. We don't have to use them for self-glory because in Christ, you already have the approval of the one who really matters. He's, 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 telling, he's identifying God as father for a reason. Because every kid wants the approval of their father, wants to be accepted by their father. And so if God is your father and he already accepts you and he already approves you, why do you need to go to man? Why do you need to go to cre- the creation cannot give you what God can give you. That's not why they were created. So if you don't understand what it means for God to be your father, then you will live like an orphan. If you don't know that you already approved and accepted by God, then you're going to seek it in other places. If you don't already know your sin and, and all that has been paid for, then you're going to try to pay for it yourself by being good. What kind of father is God to you? Because who he is as father shapes how you view yourself in light of that. He's good. He's faithful. He's true. He accepts you. He has redeemed you. He provides for you. He approves of you. Do you realize that at this moment, you have God's approval to the max. It's like he can't give you any more of it. You already have it to the max. The cup overflows. Do you realize that? You're already accepted. You are the beloved. And when you believe that, that changes the way you live. It changes the way you function. It changes the reason why. You give to the needy and you pray and you fast. You do it for God's glory, not your own. Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. What's the reward? One commentator says it is is a way of saying that in the end, justice will be done. You see, the reward is God himself. That's the reward. Why was the Pharisees, why do the hypocrites do what they do? They want the approval of others. They want to be accepted by others. But if you're already accepted by the Father, you already have the reward. It's already yours. For some of us, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to help our unbelief. Matthew 5, verse 16 says, Verse 16 says, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's why we do what we do. That's why we live the way that we live. Because a son, a beloved son and a beloved daughter, they, they deflect glory. They say, no, no, the glory goes to my God. The glory goes here. It goes to him. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beloved son. I'm a beloved daughter. But, but I want my father to get the glory. Oh, yeah, I give to, to, to fight injustice and I give to fight poverty because I'm reflecting my God. So don't praise me. If you want to praise somebody, let me tell you about this God who loves you. Yes, I pray because I'm connected with my father. I pray because I'm in communication with him. And if if you don't have a father like him, let me tell you about him. I fast because there are certain things in my life that that I want the father to to take out of my life. That's why I fast. If there's certain things you want to take out of your life, let me tell you about my father. What What do the people in your life learn about God by the way you live your life? I could follow you like a fly for one day, what would I learn about your heavenly father by the way you live your life? This ain't ever going to be perfect. I'm not talking about perfection here. I'm talking about living like sons and daughters and not orphans or practical atheists. You have a father who loves you, who likes you, who adores you, who dances over you with shouts of joy. When was the last time you spent time with him? When was the last time? I'm not talking about just memorizing scripture for the sake of memorizing scripture. When was the last time you open up the word and you had a, a you spent time with your dad as a son and as a daughter. When was the last time when this was not work but fellowship? When this was not was a duty but a delight? If you're not satisfied today in your life, It is because your heart is searching for what it can get only through God. It ain't ever going to come through being a mother. It ain't ever going to come through being a husband or a father or a wife. It ain't ever going to become by getting that good, nice job. None of those things are ever going to give you what can only come through Christ. The creation was not meant to satisfy itself. You find satisfaction in Christ alone. So if you don't know Christ and you're still searching, you're going to be searching for the rest of your life. But he invites you. Are you tired? Then come rest. Have you had enough? Come rest. Are you still, are you, how much longer are you going to let the world abuse and disappoint you? Come find true hope. How long are you going to search for peace in all the wrong places? Won't you come on and find, get true peace for the first time in your life? And for, for those of us who are Christians, how much longer are you going to worship Plato Jesus? 
Some of you need to meet the real Jesus for the first time because you've been worshiping the wrong one for so long. He's here for you. And so my prayer for you as we leave today is not to go out and make a to-do list. (laughs) I just want you to get on your knees and repent. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you see God as Father and see yourself as the Beloved. Gatsby's hymns number 505 says, Glory to God, the Father's name, who from our sinful race chose out some to proclaim the honors of his grace. Glory to the Son be paid, who dwelt in humble clay, and to redeem us from the dead, gave his only gave his life away. Glory to the Spirit, give from whose almighty power our souls their heavenly birth derive. Oh, bless that happy hour. Glory to God that reigns above, the eternal three in one, who by the wonders of his love has made his nature known. That is our God, and he loves each and every one of you dearly. Let us pray. Glory to God that reigns above, the eternal three in one, who by wonders of his love has made his nature known. Thank you, Father. Thank you that as the beloved, beloved sons and daughters, we're already accepted. We're already approved. And so we don't have to practice our good works and our spiritual disciplines for the praise of man and for self-glory. We don't have to do it for that. So help us to, to know who we truly are in Christ. Help us to function out of that identity this week. And I pray protections over each and every one of us. I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen.